In this episode of the podcast, you'll find out the importance of storytelling if you want to build a relationship based on trust and authenticity, and how to adjust to working with a small screen and people's ever-decreasing attention span, and a bit about pricing strategies. You're listening to Digital Bacon FM. We have Mr. Stephen Barnes, our marketing maestro, back on the line. How are you doing? What a delight to hear your happy voice, Mr. Black. What a delight. Now, tell me uh, today, uh, telling your story. Yeah, I thought we'd have a conversation about the importance of storytelling in the connection economy. Um, You know, businesses tend to struggle with their communications that is what is their proposition all about how are they supposed to attract people's attention what information are they piling and in importing when they do engage in whatever communications that they uh, embark on to try and um, get business attract you know people into uh, onto their radar and obviously create relationships Hmm. what i've discovered is that because of the you know the way that uh, the connection economy works and ubiquitous connectivity um, there are two dimensions to communicating your proposition and who you are that uh, you might want to think about adopting uh, if you're putting together a thoroughly modern business model to accord with the realities of the connection economy. And that is basically because anyone who's dealing with you, they want to know who you are, both as a business and as an individual. So um, essentially what you have the opportunity to do these days is to uh, invest in telling people both your business story on the one hand and also your personal story on the other. Because if you um, give the kind of information out to people that they need so that they can, in a sense, learn what you're all about, uh, access the transparency that's inherent in you uh, telling your story via the web in that fashion, Mm. um, it de-risks the prospect of a relationship with them, particularly if you've got um, uh, a decent wedge of social proof as well that's supporting your communication proposition. So, yeah, if you tell your story, uh, you have the opportunity to... To, uh, to sort of you know touch the uh, the hearts of your customers and uh, and and uh, say de risk it uh, any sort of transaction that they may be ready to uh, engage uh, with you on um, because they've had the opportunity to learn what you're all about and in fact what your business was all about. Now you find a lot of businesses where the owners aren't one hundred percent emotionally engaged. How do you then strike a balance between showing? warts and all and yet also being a little bit divorced from the business or can't you uh well well i think you can you could you could in that case and instead of focusing on instead of making an effort to tell your own personal story um make an effort to tell your business story Hmm. you know you could tell the story about you know how the profession came about or the the industry sex earring came about um, what the uh, what the history of progress has been, you know how the uh, um, how the profession or the industry has uh, has changed over time. Um, provide details about you know competitive dynamics in the marketplace, um, problems that people who operate in that market space tend to face. Um, introduce a bit of transparency into sort of you know how it's like operating a business in that space, so that you can then impart. Uh, the kind of problems that you have as a business owner uh, mm-hmm. to your customers so that they can sort of, you know, relate to that, knowing that uh, there's two sides to every coin, right? 
Um, and just generally uh, use the opportunity to parlay your business story in such a way so that uh, it becomes clear to anyone that uh, is ready to transact with you that they know who they're getting into bed with, as it were. Mm. Um, obviously, a part, part, of, part of that dimension could be um, touching upon, in a little way, the, the background of the owners uh, and, uh, and you know why they're in the business, why they got into the business and what have you. So you could, could uh, protect your sort of privacy and, uh, and uh, reflect the fact that some business owners are not emotionally engaged in the business and might not want to, you know, get into the challenge of, uh, of revealing to people what their, what their personal circumstances are all about as part of a st- storytelling exercise. But, but you know, there's, there's, no, there's no doubt that there's a lot of value in, um, in taking, you know, that opportunity to let people know what you're like, what you're all about at a corporate level and also at an individual level. And it's certainly worked for me down the years. Um, one of the first things that I did probably about 18 months into the Hong Kong Visa Center project was um, uh, I, I sat down in front of a camera uh, and basically spoke free form uh, against the list of questions that I had off camera um, and just basically shared what was going on uh, with with me at that time in my life and where I'd come from and problems that I'd been facing and you know how the uh, I found myself in the position that uh, I was in at that point in uh, in the process and and in fact if you look on our website hongkongvisageezer.com uh, and uh, check out the uh, the link the the menu item link that takes you to my story um, uh, and in there you'll be able to see that first uh, effort that I made to tell my story in a very sort of uh, amateurish sort of way, although it, it came out quite good, I suppose, given that uh, I didn't know what I was doing at that point. Um, but there you've got, you know, three videos, sort of the before, during and after of the sort of where I was at that station, when I was at that station in my life. Mm. Uh, and that uh, that gave me, um, got, got me some feedback, actually, from from clients and who said that, you know, they, they'd sort of responded positively to it because, you know, they could... Uh, they could relate to some of the things that I was saying because I was showing my vulnerability and, uh, you know, we're all vulnerable. So, uh, you know, that certainly served that purpose. And then, uh, oh, a couple of years ago, no, that's not true. About three years later, later on, um, when I really progressed the business uh, considerably in that time, I took, opportun- I, I took advantage of an opportunity to further tell my story. I gave a series of talks over 12 months called The Power of Free which are all embedded in the uh, Encyclopedia of Intelligent Content Marketing, in fact. Um, and uh, one part of that series of 12 was uh, the importance of storytelling. And so I took an opportunity uh, at that time to then sort of up, update and upgrade uh, the elements of my story that I hadn't really touched upon in any sort of structured fashion when I did it the first time out. So in essence, from from that project, I have now essentially got on my website, my story, personal story from snapshot in time where I was 2012, 2013. Um, and then again, 2015, when I did the Power of Free series and sort of augmented that. And uh, we've got lots and lots of views on that. And, and it's amazing how just, you know, revealing, you know, where you came from, uh, what you're doing now, where you're going, uh, what your plans are, what's important to you, all those things. It's amazing how that can, you know, serve as a catalyst to uh, to the creation of relationships. So that that was the personal side of the business of the of the personal storytelling side of the equation, uh, and then there's also the corporate story storytelling side of the equation. 
And in essence, uh, what I decided to do there was um, uh, embark on a project which has actually now gone on to be this thing called intelligentcontent.marketing being the website, driven by the video that I did called uh, Monopoly, How to Build One from Nothing with No Money Invested, which was the story of the Hong Kong Visa Center and how I, how Martin and I were able to uh, claw our way back out of bankruptcy and build uh, a thoroughly modern business model. And then out of that, um, we've got the, the entire intelligent content marketing proposition, which uh, has built up to probably about 400 different videos now that, that all at one level or another are part and parcel of the Hong Kong Visa Center story, dissecting the story up into the discrete elements that represent, you know, all the component parts of uh, an intelligent content marketing strategy. Uh, and it's for me, storytelling in that guise corporately and individually has, um, uh, 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 served to be uh, an incredible um, uh, catalyst to new uh, new relationships. And uh, uh, it's certainly something that uh, I would recommend to, to anybody who's thinking about wanting to operate in a new and efficient way in the connection economy. Okay, so if we had to look at three three other businesses, one being Apple and the other two being Spotify and Dropbox, would you say that um, Apple would be industrial economy business? And, and I only ask this because if you, you're talking about a story, I think from our generation, um, people would know Steve Jobs and Wozniak from having started their computer company in the back of their garage. Um, and yet uh, Spotify and um, Dropbox and also Apple for the generations that come after us, they don't have that connection to the founders of these companies, only to the products that they create. So is there a need for a story for a li the likes of a Spotify or a Dropbox? Well, I think those brands themselves have embraced the whole idea of storytelling as part of their core DNA, right? When Steve Jobs used to get up uh, on stage and uh, and sort of, you know, have the, uh, the, the the hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people tuning in to watch his product launch, basically what he was doing was he was telling the story of what the company had done in the intervening period um, and what their vision and aspirations were for the future. So I think baked into Apple, as an example, uh, is, is corporate. Is corp Corporate uh, and brand storytelling all the way through. Mm. Um, Dropbox probably less so because they've more been more of a of a, of a, of a technical play. Um, they're ultimately going to be consigned to um, the sort of the bracket of being a commodity in due course, I believe, because there's nothing sexy or exciting about Dropbox, right? It's just it's it's, it's utility. It serves a purpose. It's like micro. It's like um. So Microsoft Word, there's no, um, there's no, no compelling reason to sort of get engaged emotionally or intellectually or seeking to understand what Microsoft Word is all about. And I think, I think Dropbox actually falls into that, uh, into that category. Mm. Um, and then as for Spotify, well, yeah, again, they've, they've, they've told the story, which is ultimately, um, they're at the, uh, the forefront of, uh, disruption when it came to distribution of digital music. And, uh, whilst, as you know, uh, you know, I, uh, I know one of the, uh, the co-founders of, uh, of Spotify and I'm, I'm familiar with his personal story um, that's never been leveraged per se in the way that I've suggested you should do mm. in order to uh, get Spotify uh, to where it needs to be but then again Spotify doesn't need to do that right they had their own route to market strategy which was essentially to give away free Spotify accounts and get people hooked mm. um, and people will then talk about it uh, and that's how they've done it now clearly they've got 
PR gurus and all the rest of that good stuff, given that they're a listed entity and they're, they're growing at a, a rapid clip and they've you know, developed a superb proposition. Mm. Uh, and there's no doubt that the, um, the professional marketeers that manage the Spotify brand will be factoring some kind of storytelling into what they do. Um, so that's really how storytelling has occurred at the, what I would suggest to you is actually connection economy level for all three of those businesses. Mm. Um, although, of course, micro, uh, Apple are in the business of manufacturing stuff, so they've got one foot in the industrial economy camp. But as a, as a business oriented towards the future, they are undoubtedly operating in the connection economy. Mm. And storytelling has served a, a role in those three very, very large organizations. Um, and I think you compare, compare and contrast that with the smaller businesses businesses, um, SMEs particularly, or new startups that are wanting to um, uh, gain an angle, gain an edge, well, you know, why not tell the story of your business and what it's all about and, and publish that story on an ongoing basis and, and add value to people that are going to come across that story, give them something to be inspired by or something that they can learn from. Um, and, uh, and as I say, that will serve as the, as the genesis of, of relationships. That's what's um, proven to be the case for me, at least. Okay. Now, with the majority of the younger generation and even us actually spending the majority of our time on a phone with a very small screen, most of us don't read as much as we used to. How do you then in the future work with basically a small screen and also limited attention span of the generations who come who want as much information in the shortest amount of time possible. How do you then transition from something that's read to something that can be parlayed in a short space of time? Video. And that's why you did video, Chacha. Indeed. But if you think about things like Snapchat, right? Snapchat is really all about video storytelling in six second increments. So you don't need to, uh, as I did, sit down in front of a camera and wobble on for 25, 30 minutes telling your story uh, in that guise. Uh, today, depending on the kind of audience that you've got, the tribe that you're seeking to, uh, to build, um, do it through a video. And uh, it's cheap, it's efficient, it's effective, uh, and very, very, uh, very convenient too. And with you having all of the material that you have online, what would you say the average attention span time is? And if you were going to uh, take your brand and tell your story and create content, how long should it take to get through that content a block at a time? Okay. All right. So let, let, let's, let's, let's sort of break it down into sort of the, the experience that people have on our websites, right? So in general, we create uh, about 350 new relationships every single day by people who come to our websites and interact with our content. Mm. And of those people that come to our websites, they typically visit three pages and they spend just under three minutes total time on site. Now, essentially, that tells you that when people come to our websites, they're coming for a particular reason. They're coming to get an answer to a question or a solution to a problem. And no doubt that they are consuming content in those three minutes that gets to the heart of the reason that brought them to the website in the first place. Mm. But part and parcel of the typical sort of experience of someone who's investing intellectual or beginning to trust the material that's detailed in a website is to try and understand the origin of that material. So what can they find out about the person who or the business that's parlaying that to them and how trustworthy is it? So by having you know, your story available for uh, view, display, and interaction. 
via click or two on your website, then you make it really easy for individuals who kind of, you know, consumed what they need to consume to uh, to satisfy their objective to come into the website in the first place. But they then clicked on to understand what your story is all about, and they've made, they may watch a bit of that, and they may think, well, I'm not going to watch, um, you know, all 30 minutes of this guy's story. But the fact that he's standing up here in front of a room full of people, as it was in my case, uh, and has committed all this to video and is publishing it on his website for everybody to see, then the likelihood is that whatever he's saying in uh, about himself in uh, when he parlays his stories is, is more than likely going to be true. So that that basically gives you the connection of your story to people being on your website. They're not going to come to your website just because you're telling your story. They're coming to your website because you can help them answer a question to solve a problem. Mm. But if, but but having your story published in that fashion speaks to the veracity of uh, of the party that's actually you know been um, been producing that material. So you can you can learn to trust it. Mm. So that's the kind of the interplay right between. Um, telling your story either individually or via, via a corporate storytelling initiative and actually the core material that, uh, that, that that's contained on your website so that people can, can get the value out of it that brought them there in the first place. Because no one's going to be searching for information that, that's, that, that's, that represents your story. They're going to be searching for information that, that as I say, helps them solve a question solve a problem or answer a question mm. but get them um give give them the opportunity to drill down on the uh, on the identity of the party that's uh, that's produced those solutions and answers to questions and that's where storytelling will come in and of all the people that visit your site how many actually go from getting the uh question answered to actually finding out more about you um, well, that's a difficult question to answer because even though we've got that capability to measure all those pathways through our sites, because Google Analytics gives you the ability to, to, to break it down, we haven't actually broken down the, uh, the, the paths that people travel because, you know, if you think about it, you got 350 new visitors every single day. Um, and they're, they're all going to disparate, uh, disparate clicks afterwards. There's not a lot that you can learn in terms of the, the you know, the typical route that they go through mm. to allow you to understand if they've, you know, checked out your story after they've understood what the minimum salary for a Hong Kong employment visa is. We could do that, but being frank with you, we just, we don't, there's, the, there's no, it's a lot of analysis. Uh, you need to understand data analytics really, really well. Frankly, we don't because mm. um, it's very, very complicated. Um, and we haven't had any particular compelling reason to, you know, to sort of um, do that assessment because I don't know what we'd learn from it that would allow us to, you know, improve the way that people navigate our sites. Mm. Uh, and that's strategic as well as being tactical. It's tactical because we haven't got, you know, the, the, the skill set. We could acquire it. Certainly, but we haven't got the skill set right now. We've got other things to focus the time on. So we haven't actually gotten down to the nitty gritty of how to do that. And actually, it's strategic more than tactical because there's a lot of things that you can do with data, right? There's a lot of things you can do with technology. There's a lot of things you can do with this thing called SEO. There's huge amounts of stuff that you can do. But actually, we're not really interested in drilling right down to the miniature. We don't want to disassemble the engine, right, to understand how it works and then put it back together again. We just want to jump in the car and drive off to Spa 
pie, right? That's and get our bread. We don't do anything more than that, if you will, as if I can use that as an analogy. Mm. Um, and for small business owners and people like us, when we started off from, from scratch, you know, seven years ago, that's good enough, right? As long as you publish cumulatively over time, you get those outcomes and it's the outcomes that you're interested in. In due course, you've got plenty of opportunities to tweak and fine tune, obviously, and there's lots of uh, professional assistance and expertise that you can tap into that will allow you to achieve those outcomes as you know as we could if we uh, if and when we turn our attention to that not going to do it anytime soon but the key thing is to be able to do it as a small operator who doesn't have the need to understand all of that stuff right you just want to be able to do the minimum that you have to take on that's new to you as you move into a connection economy type business model and apply those ideas uh, and then get results from those and then as you get results from them you can learn how to tweak and iterate you'll have no doubt additional revenues to be able to decide how you want to invest in those improvements to your business model and just do it incrementally over time that's that's what i suggest that anybody do and not not worry too much about you know the deep deep technical sort of domain expertise that's needed to uh, to really uh, get uh, get 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 these things tweaked up so that they're, they're fine-tuned to uh, the best possible kind of performance you could expect all told okay now there's two aspects to your one to to your platforms one is that you provide information which people can then use and go and do things themselves so the information is free the other side that you have yeah. is where you provide the service the mint on the pillow uh, service uh, where you then state what you have be it a, a i don't know what you use like a, a silver golden platinum service where you can choose one of three like most like most online platforms do if i remember correctly that's how yours works now how many yeah. how many people Look at the information. Go to the uh, to the place that they have to pay, and then log out. Uh, the reason I want to uh, to ask you this is because when I go onto websites and I have a look at stuff, and then I want to buy something, and they don't put the prices on there, I get the shits. I, I don't I, I don't understand why people don't put the prices on and then say, oh, mail us for a quote or mail us for the prices. I agree I with you. Very disingenuous. I agree with you. Now. Do you yeah. find that putting your prices on is actually a barrier or it makes no difference at all? Oh, well, you know, I, I subscribe to the view, Jason, that, you know, if you if you invest a huge amount of effort and energy in trying to gain people's attention to bring them onto your website where you're ultimately trying to sell them something, you can bet your bottom dollar that that person, while they're, now they're on your website, they're there, they're the, the most the overarch the overarching idea in their mind while they're there at that point is to understand how much it's going to cost them to engage with you. Sure. So if you don't put your prices on your website, then you know you, you've got half your brain missing. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I was looking for stuff yesterday, and yeah, it's it's just so frustrating because the whole point of having a website is to actually sell your services, be it products or services. If I wanted to just engage with you, I'd find your email and send you an email and ask you. But that, yeah, it, it just doesn't seem to tie together. It doesn't. I agree with you completely. And uh, it's churlish, right? If you're in business, people, and they don't put your, web, your prices on your website, the, the defense that business owners have in that situation is that they don't want their competition to know what they charge. Yeah. That's absolutely ridiculous. Who cares about the competition? You know, if you're going to worry about the pricing on your website that's going to allow your competitors to 
compete against you by being cheaper. Well, let them you know, let them be a, a cheaper competitor. You don't want business that's all about price, do you? Yeah. And being in the connection economy, you've got so many new opportunities to to, to disaggregate and reaggregate value and do it in different ways and introduce disruptive pricing and and sell stuff that your competitors can't, which is you know what we might want to talk about next week. Now that I've just uh, have those words come out of my mouth, mm. um, uh, you've got plenty of opportunities to differentiate yourself and not have to worry at all about being competitive to the upon in price uh yeah so uh right from day one we've always had our prices put on our websites and interestingly we've we've discovered of course that you know all our competitors are marginally cheaper than us because that's their that's the only um it's the only opportunity they've got to compete with us because they can't compete with us on any other basis mm. fantastic Stephen. thank you very much i hope that you have an absolutely awesome long weekend and we will catch up again next friday Digital Bacon FM. So, now that you know the importance of being vulnerable in sharing your story, stay tuned for the next episode in which you'll find out how to sell stuff that your competition can't. <laughs>